Turn with me, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. Our title is The Saviour Sent to Save. And our brother Stephen Lindsay helped me with that one on Wednesday past. Uh, couldn't get a title, but that's what it's called, The Saviour Sent to Save. Matthew 1, verse 18, please. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, my son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his redeeming blood. We thank you for your cross work, Lord Jesus, your finished work. And we thank you this morning that we are found here in a world in chaos. We're found in a place of peace, of rest and comfort, encouragement and blessing. Father, we pray now that your word would go forth. And as your word goes forth, Lord, would you teach us and would you guide us? Would you instruct us and teach us in the way which we should go? Guide us with thine eye, we pray. Remember those who are still tender after bereavement still in mourning, still hurting. Lord, we pray that you would just minister to each and every one of them this morning. And Father, when all things are said and done this morning, may Christ alone be lifted up and exalted and glorified. We ask it for his name's sake and for his glory. Amen. Before some of our friends and followers who are watching the word live this morning or later, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, before others maybe in here would come to me after this service and say, do you not know that Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December? Yes, I do. I do know that. But we are bringing this word as in line with just the time of the year it is that hopefully it will reach others and also it will help teach the church about different things that you don't hear, especially maybe at this time of year in other churches. So yes, I know that and I understand that. Here we have in our reading, Mary and Joseph. 
In verse 18, it tells us, near the end of the verse, it says, before they came together. Before they were joined together as a husband and wife are joined together and consummate a marriage. Notice, before they came together. Yet, when you read on down into verse 20, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thy son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. Note note the term here, Mary, thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. We're also told in this that Joseph was her husband. Now we have to understand here, what's the big deal if she's his wife? And he's her husband, according to the scripture. I'm going to show you here that there are three stages at this time. There are three stages in marriage. First of all, we want to look at how Mary was espoused to Joseph in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was in this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Notice she was espoused to him. And the word for espoused here is the word nestio. And it means to be promised in marriage. To be promised in marriage. And you and I tend to think, well, they were just engaged. No, they weren't just engaged. So here are the three steps to marriage in these days. First of all, step one. There was what they called the engagement. So if there were, they were two children at the time, and as it's thought that Joseph is older than Mary, then Mary was too young at the time. The parents of the two young people, or in this case it may be Joseph and Mary's parents, come together and they arrange a marriage. They arrange a marriage, but nothing is done about it at this point. They are then, at this point, engaged because the parents and the parents or the older man would be Joseph and the younger woman who would be Mary or the child at this time, the parents of the child would come into agreement. So they are engaged. That's step one in marriage in these days. Step two is this. There was then what we read off the betrothal. The betrothal. And what the betrothal was, it was known as the ratification of the engagement that was made. Notice, the ratification of the engagement that was made, it could have been years ago. So at this point, the parents would bring the young uh, virgin girl, the child, or pardon me, the young woman, now being of an age, and bring her with, if it's a younger man, he's now a young man, and the two parents would bring them and say, you have been joined together by us, And if they want out of the agreement at this point, then they can just walk away. So Mary was at a certain age. She was a young woman, and she still had not been touched by Joseph. And so she could walk away at this point, step two. 
But step two goes a little further again. Because once she enters into a contract of marriage with Joseph, once she says yes to this, then they're given a year as husband and wife. Now listen, they are given a year to become known as husband and wife. That's the betrothal. And yet they don't have the rights of husband and wife in society or coming together. They are not to come together for one year. The third step is what's known as the marriage proper. The marriage proper. So Mary and Joseph were at this time, they were in the espousal time where she was promised in marriage or promised in marriage proper, as we can call it. So, of course, off they're going in our story now. Mary has been found with child. So now you understand the, the dilemma. Maybe a bit better you'll understand how, how hard it must have been, not only for Mary, but for Joseph. Now, if your wife-to-be came to you, brother, and said to you, guess what I'm expecting? A baby. And you, were, you had never been near her in that way. Can you imagine what you would think? You're basically man and wife. Yet you know this isn't yours. So the other conclusion has to be that she has been unfaithful. Hence, Joseph is thinking this until, in our reading, the angel of the Lord comes to tell him otherwise. So they're in step two, which is the betrothal. And so after this, the only way out of the agreement, then the betrothal is, Mary has said, yes, I want to marry Joseph. Now they're in that one-year period. And the only way out of that was through death, or divorce. That's the only way out of it from here. Through death or divorce. In Luke chapter 1 verse 27. In Luke's account. The angel Gabriel is sent by God. It says. To a virgin. Espoused to a man. To a virgin espoused to a man. Whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So here we have a virgin espoused and a virgin's name. Now the word virgin needs looked at. It's a word parthenos. Parthenos. And it means simply a marriageable woman. A marriageable woman or a marriageable maiden as the language would have been in the King James days. A marriageable maiden. Parthenos means one who has abstained, notice, from all uncleanness and has kept chastity. So it means a lot more than our mindset today coming into the year 2021. Let me show you this word, Parthenos, for virgin again. And there's many, but I'm just picking one for, to show you an example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. Paul writes to the Corinthians, 
For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband. The word espoused is different there, but it comes along the same lines to be betrothed. But here it gives the idea of a joint, a join like a woodwork join, where something could turn like a door on a hinge, but yet stay together. But it means betrothed to be in marriage that you may be joined, but yet you're not fully together. Note here, espoused to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul's writing that to the church at Corinth, and he's writing it to you and to me this morning. Notice this, the word chaste means pure from carnality. Pure from carnality. Brothers and sisters, we have to look and examine ourselves in our own walk with Christ. In your walk and mine, how carnal can we get at times? And some of us may live in carnality, that is, not even get into worldliness, but that which is off the flesh, really having dominion over that which is off the spirit in our lives. And at times we not only become carnal, but we live for a period, for a day, for a season, for a moment in that carnality. And really Paul is saying, as the church, we should be walking right. A carnality of the mind and a carnality of the flesh. And Paul says that I may present you a chaste virgin. In other words, I may present you to the Father, to God, in Christ, but I may present you one who has not given over to carnality and not walked in the world and the things of the world, but rather you would be chaste and a chaste virgin. Listen, a chaste virgin, one who is marriageable. Wow. One who is marriageable. Jim and I wrote that. And I started going into the, the, refresh myself in the great word studies. My mind blew in my study. I was at it all day. Wow. And I examined my heart and I, I feel all the time. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I claim the blood of Christ. I make mention, Father, to you, although he never forgets of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cleanse me anew, purge me afresh from the man that I am. Paul says, woe is unto me. Paul says, I do that which I shouldn't do, and I don't do which I should do. And all of those things in Romans 7. And he says of himself how much he feels, but he wants us to be presented on the day that we stand before Christ. Without spot or blemish of the world, without the, 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 the trail of the, the smoky fumes that this world has, without the stench of it upon us, but rather serving Christ, loving Christ, following Christ, walking with Christ, obeying Christ, obeying Him to the fullest of our abilities. And Paul says this word here, it's the same as Mary was a virgin. She was untouched but only touched by God. 
She was untouched by man and his carnality and only touched by God. Our attitudes, our thinking, our hearts. We must have the Spirit overcome the flesh and live in the power thereof. Notice this. This word chaste, it means to be pure from carnality and for Christ alone. It gives the idea of our full and our exclusive loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ as our, he is our espoused husband. The Lord Jesus is our espoused husband. We are the bride. Let us check ourselves, brother, sister. Are we marriageable? Are we marriageable? In Luke 2 and verse 5, Joseph went to Bethlehem to be taxed because he was off. Notice this is important. He was off the house of David. That's important. He went to be taxed with Mary. Notice the term Luke 2 and 5. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. We have a virgin espoused. Now it's an espoused wife. They're in this betrothal time. Step two of the marriage. Step one was when they were young or even when Mary was younger. Now she's at the age. Now she's marriageable. Now she said, yes, I want to get married. Now they're in this period of one year. And she finds herself with a child that isn't Joseph's. And she's his wife, classed as his wife. You see, people are trying to do away in church too. Many preachers with the virgin birth. What I'm trying to show you off is Mary was a virgin because they used words like wife. She was already married. She was his wife. They'd done no wrong and all of these things. Brothers and sisters, the idea here is they were in this one year espousal time where the only way out of it was through death or divorce. And she had not yet known Joseph nor any man. And the Jews say that she was with Panthera, who was a, a Roman mercenary soldier, to try and explain away this wonderful, miraculous virgin birth. The Bible tells us that this woman, this young woman, was pure. She was chaste, and she had not yet known a man. And it was before her and Joseph came together. Luke says Mary was the espoused wife. Now the word wife here is the word gune. Gune. That means a woman of any age because you could be a wife and married and so on. But here it is also used of a betrothed woman. A betrothed woman. So Revelation 19 and verse 7 says these words. And this is at the notice this is uh, picturing, this is revealing and letting us know of the, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on this first coming through the virgin birth. Now we're looking at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Notice, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage, notice, the marriage of the Lamb is come. The marriage of the Lamb, the marriage of the Lord Jesus is come. We are betrothed unto him, brothers and sisters. He has paid the diary as it was to the Father. The diary of his precious blood, the giving of his life, the pouring out his life on the death. He has paid the debt. And so the second coming here is, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Notice, and the wife hath made herself ready. And they look back to Exodus 19 when God had a wife. Israel. And the northern kingdom of Israel is divorced in Jeremiah 3 and it talks about the bill of divorce that he gave to them. Now he's coming again for the redeemed saints, for the blood-washed throng. And we are betrothed to Christ. Are we marriageable? What Jesus says of the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3, and the Laodicean church is the last church age in which we live. You know what Jesus says? I will spew thee out of my mouth because you're not hot or cold. Cold means refreshingly cold that someone can drink and hot is one as hot to be in. You're neither that one nor the other one but lukewarm. Brothers and sisters, are we, as the bride of Christ, marriageable? So Mary and Joseph were espoused. Remember, the espousal lasted for one year, although they did not have the rights of a man and his wife. Matthew 1, verse 18 again, please. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was in this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Here we see a work of God in the virgin. Here we see a work of God, a miraculous work. Do you know what this tells me? Since he is the same yesterday, on today, on forever. This tells me that God still does miracles. That he's still a miracle-working God. He's miracle-working in the sense that when a man or a woman is to be saved... He must do the work. Not only must he do the work, but he must regenerate, bring life to the person, bring life to the man, bring life to the woman, to create new birth. To create that which is in us. To create that to follow after him. This is all the work of God. I note this, we have the engagement, the betrothal, thirdly is the marriage proper, as we call it. The actual proper marriage, when, when consummation happens, and two become one flesh, when consummation happens and they're joined together as one. Notice this, 
For example, in Matthew 25, we'll not turn to it, we have the story or the narrative of the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish, five were marriageable, and five were not. When the five that were marriageable went in, the door was shut. And the other five came rapping on the door, Lord, open unto us. And he says, I don't know you. Do you know the word know there? God knows everything, doesn't he? How can he not know them? God knows everything. Of course he does. The word know there is, I don't know you like you have been espoused to me. I don't know you as a man and a woman, a husband and a wife come together. So we have ten virgins. That's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus again. The marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the banquet feast when Christ returns. We have, as we have already said in 2 Corinthians 11, the espoused wife to the husband, that is you and I, presented to Christ. In Revelation 19, the Lamb has come and the wife has made herself ready. Here is the marriage proper when he returns again. And you and I will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye when there be no more aches and pains and there be no more death nor sorrow nor suffering. But he will be our view. I was talking yesterday. I was with Kevin for an hour or two, a couple of hours yesterday about the death of his mother. And I just got home and he needed to phone me. And you know, he's on his own. He's his sister there, but he looks after his sister too. I started talking to him and I realized he needs somebody to talk to. And I was only home an hour. And he talked to me for an hour and 20 minutes. Now, if you know Kevin, that's easy for him. But we talked about the Lord. He talked about the glories of Christ. And you know what we come up with? We're just sitting talking. And I says, Kevin, one of the most beautiful and most wonderful lines in the whole of Holy Writ to me is this. When John writes and says, and we shall see his face. And we shall see his face. And Kevin started to praise the Lord on the other end of the phone. Heartbroken, but praising God. Because something's burst in him, you see. We sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Not we don't sorrow, but we have a hope. If they're saved, then you're saved. Can I ask you something this morning? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you come and do you know Christ as your Savior? Know this. We see the coming of the Lord. And the, the wife has made herself ready. And we shall see his face, brothers and sisters. You know, Alicia Hoffman in 1878 wrote a wonderful hymn. And this is one of the lines, and we all know it. When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? and white in the blood of the Lamb. 
Will your souls be ready for the mansions bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? stained my garments with the word. I have stained my garments with the lust of the eye and with the lust of the flesh and with the pride of life. I have stained my garments and walked away from him. I have stained my garments. I have behaved wrong. I have been wrong. I have said wrong. I have done wrong and others wrong. I have stained my garments, what must I do? Simple. Come in repentance and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. We all fail. Note here, Mary and Joseph at step two or at betrothal, they were husband and wife, but had not yet come to know the rights of the husband and wife for the consummation. Matthew 1 and verse 18 was before they came together. Here's something, and I might do part two. I'm going to do this point, and I'm going to wrap that up. I think there's enough being applied this morning, said and applied. I just want to show you something, and we'll start maybe here next week. Note here in Matthew 1, if you read the chapter you'll see there are 14 generations mentioned three times. 14 generations mentioned three times. For example, Luke tells us of the the generations of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he goes right back to Adam. But Matthew here goes back to Abraham. 14 generations, and then he gives another 14, then another 14. Now, something to note in Bible numerology. Notice this. 14 is 7 plus 7. That's not hard to do. Sure it's not. So 7 plus 7 is the number of completion and perfection. So 7 plus 7, 14 means 
something of a double perfection. I want you to catch this as we close this. A double perfection. So 14 means a double measure of spiritual perfection for Israel, for, for God's people. Note that. So I'll give you 14 names, 14 names, 14 names. Here's something else to take note of. 14, 14, and 14. Anybody do miles? Six sevens are 42. 14, two sevens, 14, two sevens, 14 are two sevens. Okay? So there's six sevens. Three fourteens, six sevens. Six is the number of man. Six sevens. Six is the number of man. Man and his depravity cannot be saved. And all of these men right down through the three fourteens of the lineage of Christ, they were all humans, all sinful men. Even though they're of the chosen line for Yahshua. For Jesus. But when you do seven, 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 and seven, that's six, it brings you right down to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfection, 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 perfection. Here he is. He's born perfect man. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is God's perfect man. And he's man's perfect God. Did you catch that with me? There's six. 14, 14, 14. So that's two sevens, two sevens and two sevens. Six of those. Six is the number of man. Here's his lineage as a man. As a human being. And here he comes in perfection. Here's something else. And we'll look at it next week from here. God willing. We are told that Joseph is from the, the line of David, from Judah. And some think that Mary is from Judah, and her line is in Luke's account. Now, we haven't time to go into it. We will next week in the Lord's will. But notice this. David, Christ is the son of David, David's greater son. Notice this. David in the Hebrew alphabet. Turn with me to uh, Psalm 119 for a moment. David, the name David, D-A-V-I-D in our English, is the words as spelt in Hebrew, Daleth Va Daleth. That's the three letters, Hebrew letters. And if you read Psalm 119, we know a lot of people skip it because it's very long, but it's full of beautiful truths. For example, there are 22 blocks of eight verses throughout the psalm. Why? Because the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. So it starts, look at the top, it says Aleph. That's the first letter. The second one is Beth. Do you know what those two letters mean together? Aleph and Beth. Beth is where we get the word for house from in Hebrew. Aleph is where we get the word father. Do you know what it means right away in Psalm 119? The father's house. The Father is the strength of this house. That's what it means. That's, we'll teach on that another time. 
And so when you get to Daleth, it's the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And they all have a numerical value that we can work on. So for example, Daleth is the fourth letter and it's valued at four, the number four. Ovar, if you look at the sixth letter, it's valued the number six. Now, it doesn't say that in your Bible, but that's through uh, the Hebrew numerology. So you have four for Daleth, sixth for Vi, four for Daleth. Do you know what that comes to? Fourteen. Again, God set these out for a plan and a purpose to show us 14, 14, 14 names. 42 names to the birth of Christ. And then, double seven, double seven, double seven, the perfection of six, which is the perfection of man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the line he comes from, Judah of the tribe of David, David's name in numerical value is 14. I don't think that's a coincidence. For example, there are, as I said, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and the value from the first 10 letters. If you go through Psalm 119, you'll find it. those are the Hebrew alphabet, right through those, the 22 letters. And for example here, the first 10 goes up in one. So you would go from Aleph, one, Bet, two, and so on and so on up to number 10. Then from 11 to 19, they go up in tens. So, for example, it goes 10, 20, 30, 40, up like that. And then from the next three or the last three letters, you have, they go up in 100s, 200, 300, 400. So they're all of a numerical value. And when you put all this numerical value together, we see 14 is 7 plus 7. Perfection, spiritual perfection for six of those sevens for man. Fallen man the whole way through. Here comes the perfection of God's Son, the man Christ Jesus, born at Bethlehem. I hope you're able to keep up with that. It's in my head. So notice in Matthew chapter 1, this was where we finish. By the way, I taught some time ago. I'll do it again, maybe sometime here. Let me get a PowerPoint for you. There's also pictographs through the Hebrew alphabet. It speaks of Christ coming. Every letter has a picture. Every letter has a Hebrew meaning for a picture and a number. And the pictographs talk about the one who comes to be pierced through the alphabet. We'll do that some other time. Notice this, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Why did he come? She shall bring forth a son, and I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Brothers and sisters, next week we'll look at this salvation. We'll look more into these things. We'll look at the line of Mary a bit. or what is, We'll look at certain words that may be a little misconstrued to people. We'll look at the line of Joseph. Because they have to come from Judah. The Jews try to disprove Jesus being not only virgin born, 
but pure and holy. They also try to disprove him from the line of Judah, from the house of David. We're going to show you different next week in the Lord's will. Are you ready? Are you marriageable? Are you saved? Are you saved? Is there anyone here and you're not saved? You want to get saved this morning? When you see us before you leave, don't go without knowing him. Because I'm looking forward, as I said to Kevin, I said my favorite part of all scripture must be, and they shall see his face. Will you see his face? The bridegroom's face? Oh yeah, you'll see it in one way or another. Either in wrath or in love and mercy. But I'll see his face because he paid my debt and bought me with his precious blood. God bless.